Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest podcast in our Split the Difference series, which explores regulatory divergence between the EU and UK regimes in the market space. My name is Simon Lovegrove, Global Director of Financial Services Knowledge here at Norton Rose Fulbright. And today I'm joined by Jonathan Herbst and Hannah Meakin, both partners in our London Financial Services team, and Anna Carrier, a legal consultant in our government relations team in Brussels. This team will be taking us through ESMA's recent opinion on the trade and venue perimeter. And Anna, I wonder if I could start with you first. Uh, could you tell us what the opinion is and why it matters? Hi, Simon. Thank you, of course. Um, so why it matters and uh, why we're discussing it today? It's really topical because on last week, on the 2nd of February, ESMA published its really long-awaited final opinion on the trading venue perimeter. And this publication follows public consultation that ESMA held early last year and also is linked with the commitment that um, ESMA made to provide guidance on the definition of multilateral systems and specifically when systems should be considered as multilateral and authorized as trading venue. And this is really the key question here. So, but perhaps just by way of a very quick background, the market structure framework as set out by MIFID provides for three types of trading venues, regulated markets, multilateral trading systems, so, uh, system MTFs, and organized trading facilities, OTFs. The objectives of the framework is to ensure that all systems falling within the definition of multilateral system, and this means any system or facility in which multiple third-party buying and selling trading interest in financial instruments are able to interact in the system, are duly authorized as one of the set three categories of trading venues. Um, that said, there has been varying interpretations in the market and inconsistent application of this uh, trading venue framework. And um, this linked with the lack of clear directions of what indeed should constitute a multilateral system triggering the authorization requirement has led ESMA to decide to issue this opinion on the trading venue parameter. So in this opinion, which is addressed to national competent authorities, ESMA sets out its guidance on each limb of the definition of multilateral system. But um, I think we can come back to that in a moment to discuss in a bit more detail. Thanks, Anna. Uh, Jonathan, if I could turn to you now. Now, the UK has also been trying to clarify uh, the perimeter. Can you just remind us where we are with that process? Yes, thanks, Simon. So very similar, really same factors that have led to uh, the FCA consulting. They consulted in September last year, 2022. Consultation closed in November, and we are anticipating a uh, feedback statement and policy statement in Q2 this year. As always in these things, you never quite know when it's going to be, but uh, that's going to be the context. And just to, to, to sort of give a little flavor, it's the same issues, and there's sort of two things that draw out, and, and Hannah can deal with the detail in a minute. One is, all the inconsistency around the definition of what is a multilateral system. There's quite a lot in the paper to be delved into. And the second thing is a number of specific use cases where there's been a lot of lobbying and some inconsistency, in particular on voice brokers, bulletin boards, and you know IT systems and blocking. So perhaps Hannah will pick those up, but that just gives a flavor of what's there. Thanks, Jonathan. If I could bounce back now to, to you, Anna. Um, looking at the opinion itself, is it now clear what the EU believes to be in scope? 
<laughs> so uh, on the risk of being cynical, I can probably say that as, it's as clear as it gets. So I, and ultimately, I think um, there will always be some nuances and gray areas, especially that the technology and the trading landscape um, keep constantly evolving. But before I come back and comment on the ESMA opinion specifically, there is one point I think worthwhile mentioning in this context as well. And this is just the pure definition of multilateral system. So in the spirit of getting more and providing more consistency, the um, the definition, which is, as we know, as I said, is in, in level one MIFID text, it's been proposed to um, uh, in the context of the ongoing MIFIR review to be moved to MIFIR, so to the regulation, specifically to ensure that it's applied consistently across member states and in a harmonized way. So that's that this still ongoing in the context of the MIFIR review, but this is just another point um, to be aware of. But um, for current purposes and going back to ESMA opinion, I think it is worthwhile to very briefly comment on each of those limbs of the definition of multilateral system that ESMA um, provided some guidance on. So in terms of the, the requirement that it's a system or facility, ESMA sets out in its, in its opinion that um, there has to be a set of rules that governs how third-party trading interests interact. And by rules, um, ESMA means contractual arrangements or standard procedures. Um, the system or facility must be technologically neutral. So this is important because it can capture both automated and also non-automated systems. So there, there's no requirement for the system to be automated. And um, uh, ESMA also specifies um, that for the system not to be considered in the context of multilateral system, it must be a general purpose communication system. So anything else that um, allows for the trading interest to interact might be brought uh, within the within this definitional scope. In terms of the second limb of this definition, so that there are multiple third-party buying and selling interests, here ESMA clarifies that third-party basically means persons other than the system operator. So um, there must be this additional third-party in the, in the framework. And by multiple, it means um, various trading interests interacting in the same system or facility. And multiple can mean two, two is enough for um, to create, um, uh, to, to be multiple, um, if they are brought together by the system operator, which is a third party. So that's just an example. In terms of those trading interests that are able to interact, that's this part of the definition. Here, ESMA um, clarifies that systems has to allow the display of the different trading interests and allow users to react to those trading interests at the same time. And in this context, one point um, to highlight, uh, which is relevant, is that the conclusion of the contract within the system is not required. So this is not a prerequisite. The con contract can be concluded outside of the system. But the system must contain rules concerning the matching, the arranging, and um, or negotiating of those trading interests. So that's the, these are the relevant key points. Um, and finally, the, the trading interests have to be in financial instruments. So it's probably the most straightforward um, point. This really refers to the scope of financial instruments as set out in the FIT2. So um, Annex 1, Section C, those are the financial instruments according to EU law. Thanks, Anna. Um, Hannah, if I could draw you in now. I mean, how much does this differ from the UK position? Well, I think actually in many ways it's quite similar because we in, in the UK we're still using the same 
concept of what is a multinational system that, that came from MIFID II. So we're still looking at those four factors that Anna just went through. And actually, a lot of the FCA guidance is very much along the same lines in terms of how they describe those, um, you know, what is really meant by those, those, those kind of key components of that definition. I think the um, just a couple of points to draw out on the FCA uh, way of describing things. In terms of the characteristics of a system or facility, um, as Anna mentioned, the idea is that it shouldn't be capturing a general purpose communication system. But the FCA, I think, is quite conscious that sometimes uh, communication, it's difficult to draw a distinction between communication systems and multilateral systems. And so they're going to be looking at a number of factors when they think about that. So in particular, whether the communication system has features that are designed specifically for the interaction of trading interests in financial instruments. Um, also thinking about the operator's role in the use of that, in the provision of that system and the way in which the system is actually being used in practice. So they're looking at quite a, a holistic test there, I think. And I guess that's, um, that, that I think is essential really, because as Anna mentioned, technology means there are so many different iterations of systems out there and they're developing all the time. I think they need to have that flexibility in the, in the definition. In terms of the um, multilateral third party buying and selling interests, um, again, very similar kind of way of thinking about things. One of the things the FCA says that what really matters is whether the system at the point of entry enables one person to interact potentially with multiple others who are not the operator. So again, that idea that if there are um, at least one other person whose trading interests you could be interacting with, that would be enough. And then um, on the question about uh, interaction of trading interests within the system, again, I think um, along very similar lines, the way that the FCA puts it is, what's really important is it's an exchange of information on the essential terms of the transaction. And what we mean by that is really price, quantity and subject matter. Um, and the ability to signal an intention to trade, um, whether that's done through a, a system that kind of matches orders or allows users to respond to each other. Um, so again, picking up on that idea of a, a an ability to respond to somebody else's trading interest. Um, and of course, the uh, having to relate to financial instruments, which um, actually in the context of the digital assets, uh, um, a consultation paper last week is an interesting question um, as to because they were talking about digital assets, crypto assets being treated as specified investments, but not financial instruments. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they adapt the MTF regime to those crypto assets in the future. Thanks, Hannah. Let's now move on to some of the examples that both the EU and the UK have given. They're not quite the same, but I'd be interested to get your thoughts on how they would be treated under the EU and UK regimes. And I'm thinking here about technology, requests for quote systems and prearranged trades. Perhaps Anna, you could start by giving us your thoughts on technology and the UK side chip in uh, where we have something similar. Sure, no problem, Simon Wilden. So in terms of the technology specifically, so as you said, Esma did provide some three specific um, examples in its opinion of how its guidance should apply to those three different types of um, um, systems out there. 
And in respect of technology broadly, it, um, it sets out that um, um, a technology platform would not normally be subject to authorization as a multilateral um, trading system, and it would be only considered a bulletin board type system if it has the three um, characteristics and ESMA um, specifies those characteristics in its opinion. So one, um, that the system consists of an interface that only aggregates and broadcasts buying and selling interests in financial instruments. Um, the second of those characteristics is that the system does not allow for the communication or negotiation between advertising parties, um, including any notification of any potential match between buying and selling interest in the system, and that does not impose the mandatory use of tools of um, affiliated companies. And, and last of those conditions is, or characteristics rather, is that it is not possible to execute or to bring together buying or selling interest in the system. So only if those three kind of characteristics are met, a technology platform um, wouldn't be considered a multilateral system. Yeah, I mean, I think from a, a, a UK perspective, um, the FCA doesn't kind of talk about uh, technology as a specific example, but um, some of their guidance is very much focused on trying to um, explain the the concept of a bulletin board and where that um, you know falls out of what can be done within the concept of a bulletin board and therefore something that doesn't need to be seen as a trading venue um, and kind of where the line is. Um, and so, again, if you've got a, a bulletin board, which is just being used to advertise buying and selling interests, um, but there's no ability for those interests to interact, then um, then that is that, that that I think is the idea that should be out of scope. The, the FCA also actually gave some other useful examples, I think, in relation to bulletin boards. So they did accept that it, it could be possible that bulletin boards would include include contact details so that potential buyers and sellers could get in touch with each other if they wanted to um, wanted to actually negotiate a transaction. Um, equally, the provider could um, potentially provide template documentation for them to use to execute their trade outside the system and could also provide some post-trade services that might assist in the uh, settlement of those transactions. I guess the other thing to mention on the the kind of idea of technology. Um, one of the FCA, I guess, uh, examples that they talked about is voice brokers, um, because I think this how the regime applies in relation to voice brokers has caused some uh, differences of opinion over the years. Um, but I think certainly what they're saying in the new in the proposed guidance is that merely arranging or executing client tran client orders by phone shouldn't normally be seen as operating a multilateral system, but there are circumstances where it could do. Um, so for example, if the trading interests were broadcast to other users and then the brokers were to enable negotiation between the users, that uh, between the interests, that could bring it back into being a, a multilateral system. And equally, of course, you could have, and, and I think actually in many cases, you do have voice brokers operating in conjunction with other modes of execution that are using different forms of technology. Um, and there, again, it may well be that that combination actually does constitute a multilateral system. Thanks, Hannah. And Anna, uh, request for quote systems? 
Yes, maybe Simon. Let's let's talk about the pre-arranged trades first, because I've, uh, from what I understand, I think there's um, actually some there are some sim similarities with the uh, with the UK regime here um, as well. So, in terms of pre-arranged um, transactions, um, ESMA considers that the activity of pre-arranging transactions in a multilateral way is only possible without authorization as a trading venue um, when the following um, conditions are met, and those are and, and it sets out two conditions. Um, that all transactions arranged through the investment firm system or facility have to be formalized on a trading venue. And then the second condition is that the transaction benefits from a, um, a pre-trade um, pre transparency waiver in the trading venue where it will be formalized. So um, those are the conditions. And, and otherwise, um, again, um, there's possibility for uh, multilateral system definition to apply. So that's that's on the EU side, and I think Hannah, you had some comments on the. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, on the UK side, the way the FCA describes these as systems for blocking trades, um, and what they're saying is that operating a system for the purpose only of blocking trades onto a trading venue should not be seen as operating a multilateral system, as long as that is consistent with the intentions of the parties to the underlying transactions. Um, so in other words, as long as they are actually intending to then execute their trade on a trading venue. Um, and, and so they, they, we don't have this condition that um, there has to be uh, transparency. But, um, but actually one of the examples that the FCA gives, and I guess it's kind of implicit in the description, is that they, the example is arranging large and scale trades in accordance with the rules of a trading venue. Um, and so obviously large and scale would be one of the um, transparency waiver situations. Okay, I can perhaps just finish off um, the examples with the request for quote um, and description that um, ESMA dedicates quite some space um, in its opinion to, to, to clarify what, uh, if in what circumstances should such systems be considered uh, multilateral and uh, requiring authorization. Um, so in that context, um, ESMA clarifies that if a system allows or requires the client to request a quote from um, only one dealer, the system would still be considered um, a multilateral. On the other hand, a bilateral system, um, in accordance to the ESMA opinion, um, includes the case of a single dealer platform that allows different clients to interact on, with only one counterparty that also operates the system and deals on own account but uh, where the similar system is operated by a third party. So um, kind of comes back to uh, what I was saying earlier, that sets out the rules of how trading interests interact, that brings um, together trading interests um, without trading on own account. It must be considered uh, as multilateral, multilateral system and um, the subject is um, uh, to authorization as a trading venue. Thanks, Anna. I just as my second from last question, my penultimate question. I mean, do you think ESMA's opinion will help create a level playing field for the future? Yes, I think it's um, certainly it's the intention, and um, and that's that's uh, definitely one way of looking at it. And there is definitely scope for that. But that said, I mean, we should not forget that the ESMA opinion is addressed to national competent authorities, and it will be now up to them. Um, while coordinating um, undoubtedly with ESMA to ensure that firms um, uh, within jurisdictions assess their systems against the ESMA opinion 
uh, including whether they're operating under the appropriate authorization. So it will have to be the, um, the NCAs, so the national competent authorities, to require firms to take appropriate action if this is not the case, um, and including further either um, further discussions or, when necessary, um, uh, correcting um, and getting compliant by um, by getting uh, the authorization in order when 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 so when this this will be the case. So all of that will likely take some time to get um, I think to 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 get processed. But now that there is this framework in place uh, to implement, I think we should expect that um, national competent authorities will be incentivized and encouraged to to use it. So we should see some movements in this area. Um, and prospectively some authorizations going forward. The other, I guess the other kind of um, angle to that level playing field question is uh, kind of this, this idea of the UK and the European regime operating side by side. And, you know, as we've kind of just described, actually, the characteristic, the, the, the components of the definition that we're both looking at are the same and a lot of the ways of thinking about it are quite similar. Um, and yet we do now have two different regimes and two sets of guidance, um, which are which are different sets of guidance. And so I guess it's an I think it's quite an interesting um, question, the extent to which those in the UK will still be kind of looking at the way that those in the EU are thinking about it and applying it in practice, and perhaps um, vice versa as well. Um, because as, as discussed at the beginning of this discussion, there are even with this guidance which I think is really helpful in clarifying a number of areas there are always some areas of ambiguity as as uh, different use cases develop and as it, it, the tendency is I think for people to look for as much guidance as they can to try and um, uh, fill in those gaps or extrapolate by way of analogy um, and so yeah I, I think there could still be a tendency that we're still kind of all looking at everything that's available. Thanks, Hannah. Um, just my final question to you, Hannah. I mean, do you think the opinion answers all the questions? Well, on the UK side, I um, I think the F the proposed FCA guidance, as I say, is is incredibly helpful. But I still think there are kind of other questions that are maybe a little bit outside of its scope, but very much related. Um, where I, I still think that they are very difficult questions and, and there aren't always clear answers in, in all circumstances. Um, so just a couple of examples of those. I think the first is the, um, the kind of the, the, the distinction between arranging transactions and operating a trading venue. Um, I know that is something that the uh, FCA um, consultation paper referred to and discussed a little bit. Well, I think it's not as straightforward um, as it perhaps uh, should be. Um, and the other, the other area of, of, I think, ambiguity is in relation to cross-border scenarios. So where you've got, for example, a trading venue that is based in one jurisdiction, um, but is providing its services to participants in another jurisdiction, where you know what is the what really is the concept of operating and where is that concept where is the operating being carried on from i think at the moment there's a tendency to consider that the operating actually might be happening in a number of different jurisdictions but i think some clarity around that from 
both the EU and the UK perspective might be quite helpful in the future. Thanks, Hannah. So that concludes this Split the Difference podcast. My thanks to Jonathan, Hannah and Anna for sharing their thoughts today. We will, of course, be tracking developments on our Regulation to Borrow blog and watch out for further podcasts in our Split the Difference series. Many thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>